is Sober Reference. You're listening to A Sober Story, digestible conversations filled with evidence that you can do anything without picking up a drink. We share more cost-free resources on our website, www.soberreference.com, and hope you'll connect with us on social media. Search Sober Reference now and look for our logo. For more information about today's guest, visit our show notes. We hope you find this content valuable and leave feeling inspired to drink less, live more, and meet your potential. Enjoy. Okay, well, so I want to hear from you what it was like before when you were drinking. What did a drink give you? What did a drink steal from you? Tell me some of your your memories. Okay, so I'm not going to go too deep into the younger years, but basically alcohol became a tool for me to relieve me of my anxiety. During my teenage years, I was getting more and more anxious around people. And for me, it was an easy escape to drink. Every time I drink, I didn't overthink. I wasn't worried. I was sociable. I felt like it took down this wall that was between me and everybody else. And I could, I could be me. And especially in a society which was not just normalizing that, but encouraging the alcohol, it made it even more dangerous to me. And I wondered, I always used to think when I was drinking, why does no one else feel the need like me or is unable to stop like me? How come everyone is okay with this and I'm the one that, that has to use it? Not just wants to use it, but has to use it. And I think that was a major reason of why I went to university, but I never, I never graduated from university. And the drinking, the anxiety was definitely a major, major reason behind that. And it was only when I left university, I ended up getting a job in hospitality. I didn't have any qualifications. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And especially around here, the done thing is if you're a student or you don't really know what to do, go work as a waiter, go be a bartender, become a chef. And I thought, yeah, you know, I'll do that until I kind of figure out what it is I want to do. And it was amazing because suddenly I was in this social situation where I was in control. I could control my situation because I was the one, even as something as small as I was stood up and everyone else was sat down, which was crazy. But I suddenly had the control, which when you have social anxiety, that was that was what you wanted. You wanted to control the social situations around you. And on top of that, it was also somewhere where drinking was normalized even further. You know, we were selling alcohol. It wasn't just like most work, you go out after work and you have drinks with colleagues. Ours was, alcohol was everything about the job. Being a bartender was I would make alcoholic drinks every 25 seconds. And then you finish work, it's a high adrenaline, high stress position. And afterwards, you all de-stress by having a drink. Or at least at the time, that's thought that's what I thought it was. I thought it was de-stressing me. And I was still driven at this time. You know, I still I still had a goal of I wanted to be good at what I do. You know, I wanted to be the best. And at this point, I was working in the countryside where I grew up um, as a bartender, as a waiter. And I thought, you know what, if I if I really want to do this, I have to I have to move to a big city. And I moved to London. And it was on this move to London that drugs were then introduced to the equation. You know, I still had anxiety. I still drank through it. But suddenly, within the first few months of being there, I was at a house party and I was offered cocaine. And uh, I remember being so scared. My heart was racing. And I was like, I can't do drugs. I'm not I'm not a drug taker. I'm just I'm, I'm a good kid. I'm, I'm normal. You know, my parents brought me up to be this good kid that doesn't take class A drugs. But the peer pressure was so intense. It was too intense. I didn't know myself well enough. So I ended up taking it. And the worst thing that could have happened was it was really enjoyable. 
and suddenly it wiped all that fear away. And I thought, why was I scared of this? This is actually, this is awesome. And it just became more and more often. And the negatives weren't really there. It was just all positives. And then I still worked my way through the industry and I managed to get to some very good positions in my career in hospitality. And I think part of that was because of the way I drank, the way that I always wanted to have fun, the way that I was always able to manage my hangovers and still carry on, which was part of that industry. You had to have the best night of your life running a bar. Everyone needs to love it. And the next day you need to do it all over again. So it was not just that it breeds the problem, but it attracts people with the problem because it was normalized and it was encouraged. And I was that person that was always pressuring other people to drink and other people to party. But it was within the final couple of years, there was that voice in the back of my head that kind of knew that it was a problem, knew that something something was uh, headed in the wrong direction. And it was, I think, the, the six months or so running up to that moment where I couldn't bear it anymore. I couldn't bear the anxiety or the guilt or the shame or just not going to sleep, having to lie to people, having to manipulate situations, not having enough money to do what I really want to do. I felt trapped and I didn't really see a way out. So, yeah, that was kind of a brief overview, a very brief overview of the uh, 10 to 15 years leading up to the decision I made. So what happened then that made you finally choose to stop? And what was it like in your first year of sobriety navigating life in a brave new way? Yeah, so I think going back to the reason of why it stopped, I think leading up to that moment, I was looking for any excuse, almost to the point where I wanted someone to realize what was happening so they could bring it up so I didn't have to face it myself. And it got to a point where I was planning a, a weekend away really relaxing trip to the mountains in in the north of England and I turned up to the train station after being up all night doing cocaine with two guys I didn't even really like uh, in a flat that I didn't really know where I was and I didn't sleep I went straight to the train station and a, a friend of mine told me that I I need to sort my life out and no one had spoken to me like that before and I didn't like it at the time I really didn't like it but then we spent the weekend in the countryside it was really nice we did some beautiful hikes and it was the train back to London where I was staring out of a, a rainy window, almost like almost like in a music video, some sort of sad music video. And I just thought, you know what? I need to take a week. I just want a week to detox myself, to come back to Will, the Will I used to know, just to try and see things a bit clearer. And it was funny because even two days after having this big epiphany, I tried to go to the pub. I tried to get one of my colleagues to go with me. And he knew that I said I wasn't drinking. And he said, no, I'm not going to go with you. And still to this day, that is one of the most powerful things that happened, because if he had said yes, I would be here right now. It was him saying no and actually having someone to be accountable to that made it so effective. And I remember I went through the whole week without drinking and I'd never felt better. It'd been years since I'd felt that good. And I thought, wow, do you know what? I want to take another week. So I did two weeks and felt even better than that. And I didn't really know what I was doing at this time. Was I stopping forever? That was too scary. You know, what about birthdays? What about my wedding? What about every occasion that you can think of? I can't stop forever. This is just a bit of an experiment. So I went back to it. For one night, I went back. I, I went on a date and I did try to tell her. I said, no, I, you know, I'm not going to drink. I think I'm trying to I'm trying to be good. And she, she said, no, uh, you, if you want to stop drinking, you can stop tomorrow. And I thought, well, I mean, there's logic in that. Yeah. Okay, let's do this date and then I'll stop tomorrow. And... I drank again. And it was the most surreal feeling of being in a bar, knowing 
that what I'm putting into my mouth is not good for me. And even feeling the effects of it, being conscious of it, changing my mental state, my physical state. And don't get me wrong, it was it was an enjoyable night. But I woke up the next morning and I just made that decision. I can't do this anymore. I can't. I need to stop. Suddenly, not drinking was a bigger priority to me than anything else before that. It was so black and white now. It doesn't matter if I'm in a situation where, you know, you've got to think about it. Should I do this? Should I not do that? It was suddenly very clear. Not drinking is my top priority. And after that, it became a lot easier because there was no mental debate. It was very black and white. It was very clear. And then from then on, that first year was incredibly eye-opening to a whole new world, which I'd been stopping myself from achieving for so long. I started to feel things again. I started to see things in a different way. My vision of my life expanded so much where I, I saw all the possibilities of what I could do. And it didn't take long until I suddenly snapped and thought, do you know what? I need to get out of London. And I remember I booked a one-way flight to India for about nine months after I stopped drinking. I worked my notice at work. I spent some time with my family. And then I got on a plane. I got on a plane to go to India with absolutely no idea of where I was going, who I was going to meet, or where I was going to be even a week ahead. I love this part of your story. First, I want to just quickly say how much I relate to some of the things that you've already shared. When you said, I went on this trip with two guys I didn't really like. I look back and I think of all the things that I did or the people that I hung out with that I really didn't have a lot in common with or that I didn't have a lot of interest in, but it provided me the ability to drink and, you know, be social and I, you know, get that sense of connection that I know now I was really deeply seeking. But I just look back and I'm like, wow, even just this past week traveling back to where I went to college and seeing old friends and the standard get together is meet up at a brewery and I'm sitting there and, you know, two hours go by, I'm in the third hour and I'm like, I, you know, I don't want to be here in the first place, but this is service to my friends, to my family. Like I'm hanging out and being present. I'm kind of doing some deep breathing, like internally and just, you know, trying to remain focused and be of service. But at the same time, I'm very aware that I used to do this all the time. And when you take the alcohol away, I don't like it. Like there really isn't things here for me anymore. Even some of the people, you know, and the places I'm just like, I'm at a very different place now. I have very different values and interests. And it's eye-opening to be where I am now and have those similar experiences just to notice, wow, the drinking really elevated this from like a three to a 10. I mean, it's a big change. And then when you said the will I used to know, just, you know, feeling that soul sickness and wanting to revive yourself back to who you know you are and to experience being alive and having your human experience. It's just, I really resonate with that. Like I've noticed in my sobriety that I giggle a lot more and I play a lot more. And those are the things that I don't want to give up because I know for me, when I am in between drink, not necessarily when I'm drinking, but when I've had a drink and I'm, I'm going to drink again at some point in the future, that part of my childlike wonder and awe and like spirit is not available to me. So I love that. And I want to hear a little bit now about that kind of travel experience. What did you find? What did you get to know about yourself? Tell us a little bit about what it's been like in your sober experience. Well, yeah, just to, just to go on from what you just said, because I find that so fascinating. When I stopped, I remember becoming almost childlike in the way I saw the world. Everything was exciting again. And 
I, I actually use that technique with anyone else who's trying to stop. As I say, that version of you before you drank, you know, that kid had aspirations. That was the person that dreamed big and thought, I want to be this person. And every time you have a, have a drink, it takes you one step away from being that person. And you get slowly more and more disconnected to the point that, say, for me and potentially for you, we were so disconnected from the person we actually were. And those situations you go to, it's the alcohol that connects it all. Because you go to places that you don't necessarily like. You hang out with people that you don't necessarily want to because you all have that connection, which is alcohol. Drop the connection, and there is no connection. But yeah, flight to India and that stage was probably the most special time of my life. I didn't know how long I was going out for, but I ended up staying out there for about a year. And I remember for the first time in my life, I was sat in the airport and I was looking at my calendar. And I was just looking at a date maybe two weeks ahead. And I just remember thinking how crazy it was that I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know who I'm going to be with. And that the, the unknown was so exciting to me. It just, it made me feel alive and more alive than I'd ever felt in the previous 10 years of taking any sort of narcotics that I thought made me feel alive. This was true adrenaline. This was true happiness. It was a, a feeling I never want to give up. And I always try to recreate. And it's, that's why traveling is one of my biggest passions. But I remember being a little bit nervous about the fact that because I was alone and I didn't know the people around me, I didn't have control of these situations. And I remember thinking, what if I haven't spoke to someone in a day or two and I arrive in a hostel, there's a big group of people and they all say, hey, come sit with us. And it's all very convivial and I'm, I'm accepted. And then someone hands me a drink and I say that I don't drink. What is that reaction going to be like? And it wasn't necessarily that the reaction was going to be negative, but I just didn't know what it was going to be. And that was the point. It was out of my control. And this was a major step for me of releasing that control that, you know, how people react to me not drinking or anyone's opinions, it's nothing to do with me. It never has been and it never will be. The only thing I can control is my attitude towards it and my actions. And I remember thinking, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is I don't know any of these people. I just stand up and I leave and nothing bad happens. Maybe I move on. Maybe I go to a different part of the area I'm, I'm traveling through. And it was funny that that was my thoughts. And I speak to a lot of people who have similar thoughts. What is this person going to think? What are they going to say? And to be honest, it was the opposite. Everyone found it fascinating. Everyone found it intriguing. And even more so, everyone found it inspiring, which was just so amazing to see. And it just boosts you even more to go, oh, well, I, I am doing the right thing. This is the right direction to go in. And it made my traveling even better because over that year, I traveled through so many countries through Southeast Asia. I had so many adventures. I did stuff that I never dreamt of doing. And, you know, I would wake up at 5.30, 6 a.m. completely naturally without being tired at all. I would jump out of bed. I would go to the gym. I would go and hike a mountain. I would drive motorbikes through volcanoes. And by the time I get back, everyone's still asleep, hungover. Oh. So it's the things that we get to do because we're sober. And it's interesting because it's it doesn't even feel like a fair trade when you're I'm hearing you say it, because you, you kind of went from being, I spend a couple hours in the morning you know, recovering from a hangover or my sleep is affected. So even if I don't have a hangover, I'm just not at that optimal level of performance. And you'd think that stopping would just kind of give you, like put you back to neutral. And it certainly does. Like you get back to your 
just normal, natural state of health and well-being. But what you also get is opportunity to fill this space with new adventure, new connections, new passions. The way you just described it makes it very clear to me that you get so much more than you give in the exchange of to give up alcohol. You don't just get your health back, which is amazing and perhaps is the reason that there is the catalyst for all the other things that you can do because when you're healthy then it becomes so much easier to just follow the passion and use your mind and use your body in a way that previously felt more challenging or more of a force but I love hearing that you've been able to give yourself these incredible present memories and I want to hear a little bit about what's next for you. So you have had a couple of years living this life, exploring. Now with a couple of years of sobriety under your belt, what's important to you? What do you want to do or will you do with the next year or two years? What's top of mind for you? So yeah, I think when I stopped drinking, it became very apparent that alcohol was what limited so many different areas of my life whether it be my fitness, my diet, my sleep, my even my thought processes, the story I would tell myself about myself. And once I removed that, it felt like I was suddenly free to explore every different avenue of myself and of the world. And I realized that stopping drinking wasn't just about not drinking. It was about giving yourself that freedom to explore so much more. And I consider myself so lucky to even have the ability to do that. The fact that I can afford to do that, that I have time to do that, that I have my health to do that. Why would I never, why would I not do that? It was crazy. And um, I think once I started traveling around, I started to notice that every few days, if I was in the same place, I would start to feel a bit restless or a little bit like, what's the point? Why am I traveling? And especially because I was doing it alone, it gave me such time to reflect on myself. Who was I? What was I doing? Why do I act the way I am? And it gave me this intense, isolated therapy upon myself, where even when I would have opinions about what I was doing, I would then go back and check if that's right and then second guess it and almost have this elevated level of consciousness of making sure I get down to the root. Why do I do this? Why do I think like this? Why do I tell myself that? And I I truly believe that that time by myself, contrary to so many people's opinion, that time by myself was so valuable because it really pushed me to get to know myself. It made me face up to everything that I hadn't faced in the years previous. And I realized what that one thing was that I was missing. You know, you hear a lot of people saying, I'd love to win the lottery and just never have to work again. I could just live on an island. Well, do you know what? I did that. And it's not the answer. It's really not the answer. The answer is purpose. When I was traveling, I had zero purpose. What was I doing? I wasn't really doing much. I was, you know, getting a massage in the morning, going to the gym, eating delicious food, lying on the beach. And I remember calling a friend and being like, I feel depressed. And he was like, listen to yourself. You're on an island. How can you be depressed? You know, he was working really hard and hadn't had a holiday. And I was like, I get that. You know, it's it, it looks that way. But the one thing I realized is true happiness comes out of growth out of doing what you're meant to be doing, finding what's right for you. And I came back, I spent a bit of time in London. I thought, you know what, exercise is massive for me. I want to be a personal trainer. And I did that. And yet I still felt like something was missing. And I realized this whole picture of health and looking after myself started with one crucial thing, and that was giving up alcohol. And it was only once I realized this, I thought, that's what I need to do. That is my purpose. I need to to be of service to people like me, like the person that that was struggling for so many years. And I decided I'm going to become a sobriety coach. And it is all based around almost healing a bit of me. Every single person I speak to, everyone I help, it is motivated by that insatiable 
energy I have to help my old self. I resonate a lot with that. The reason I started Sober Reference was pretty selfish. It was, you know, there was a dual reason. I knew that it was because I wanted what I was going through to be of service to other people. I wanted to give it back. There was this sense of responsibility of, I've done this thing that has changed my life. And if I can be a reference for other people, that would be a great service to the world. And at the same time, gave me this accountability that when I was out in the world to pay attention and to gather these references, to note the tools that worked and to just be much more present with my own choices because they started becoming a means to help them. And yeah, it's awesome. Like every time I talk to someone for sober reference, I get so much. I say when we start our recordings, this is a space for you and I to find healing. It's just us two right now. And if there's anything we say, in these, in this little time and in this little container that you don't want out in the public, it won't go out in the public. Because what's most important for me is that the two people coming to the table get what they need, they get their medicine. And then when we share it, it becomes medicine for other people. And that's just the magic of it all. Like it really is that good of a deal, (laughs) you know, like you get what you need and then it helps other people. So I love that you found something that fills, fills you up from a passion standpoint. And then also it sounds like gives you a piece of medicine that helps you just continue living and thriving. Speaking of that kind of like medicine, I would love to give you 60 seconds on the clock to just rattle off the things you're grateful for. It can be things that you've experienced in the past, things that you have right now in this moment, things that you're excited about experiencing in the future because you're sober and there's opportunity for you. Okay, well, I'm going to do this in a very different way. Instead of rattling them off, I'm going to talk about health. Health is by far the most important thing in my life and what I am most grateful for. And you can measure it up against so many things. A lot of people think money is the best, uh, the most important thing. A home is the most important thing. But when you put it all against your health, your health will win every time. If you don't have your health, you have nothing. And it starts with dropping alcohol. And then it goes into, I'm grateful for exercise. I'm grateful for meditation. I'm grateful for cold showers. I'm grateful for stretching. I'm grateful for breathing. And all these different things I practice daily. I'm also uh, grateful for journaling as well. All these different practices just elevate you to the next level to be your best self. Let me hear three things about right now that you're grateful for. Okay, the the meal I just had was amazing. I'm so grateful for this interaction and being on this podcast. And I'm so grateful for the decaf coffee I just drank. (laughs) Oh, I love that. The the value of health, it just like affords you so much. I want to hear an I am statement. I am blank because because of those things that you get to experience for yourself that you those gifts you give yourself that you're grateful for that uh, allows you to be I am Uh, you know that's a very interesting way of putting it because the one reason I do all these things everyone always asks but why do it and the one thing I always say is because I'm a better person but I guess you can go deeper and say why are you a better person because it allows me to eradicate the overthinking mind which leads me in the wrong direction and that's pretty much it when I exercise I'm focused, I'm present. When I'm in the shower and it's freezing, you don't overthink, you're present. And for me, that's what happiness is. The eradication of anxiety, the eradication of worry or pain. Once you remove everything, everything, that's when you're truly content and truly happy. It's not some sort of external thing that's gonna give you a pleasure hit or anything like that. Happiness is just nothing. Just being here, just being ourselves. 
that for me is just ultimate happiness. And all these things, that's what they do. They just they get rid of that chatter inside your head. I am at peace. I am happy. I am calm. You know, it's like oh, those very elusive, seemingly elusive, you know, feelings, experiences are possible. And I love how you say it's not about, it's like not about reaching and, and pulling and, and grasping and trying to get them. It's about stripping away the unnecessary. It's about letting go. It's about surrendering. It actually doesn't have to be this really hard fight. It can be a soft surrender. And these. I love the tools. Like you're such a tool oriented person. And that's why I think that the service that you do in your coaching is so valuable because you give tools that help people naturally just strip off what doesn't serve them so that they can feel their natural state of being, that they can have that peace, not as a, now I'm, I'm grasping and striving and forcing peace, but I am allowing peace. What a beautiful thing. Thanks, Will. <laughs> uh, good chatting with you because uh, I, I just resonate with you so much and I love the way you put things as well. It's uh, You speak so beautifully. Oh, thank you. One of my affirmations that I work on is I am eloquent. I am confident in all conversations. Like I really try to help myself believe that this is a natural state for me. <laughs> well, I can tell you, you've, you've smashed it already. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to Sober Reference. We hope you found this content valuable and are leaving feeling inspired to drink less, live more, and meet your potential. You can find more cost-free resources on our website, www.soberreference.com. We hope that you'll connect with us on social media, search Sober Reference now, and look for our logo. Great job taking in sober positive content today. Until next time, this is Sober Reference, and we are so glad that you're here.